chapter fourteen of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain stabbed to the heart it was all done in an instant without the slightest warning the blow was delivered the weapon driven home the earl lying on the floor before madeline watching through the three or four inches of the open door had the most elementary premonitions of what was about to happen and when it had happened it was a moment or two before she was able to realize what it was that had actually taken place her feeling was one of petrified amazement of sheer stupefaction the most extraordinary of all the extraordinary things which had chanced since her entry into that fateful house had been done before her very eyes so incredible a thing that it seemed her sight her senses or something must have played her false maud's bearing had been so quiet so self-contained so gentle so unassuming so wholly void of any hint of an offensive purpose that it was impossible that out of pure devilry mere wantonness she could have done this thing maud dorincourt the woman in whose image she herself had been so marvellously moulded and yet the man who a moment before had been so full of life and love and hope lay on the floor so still madeline woke with a gasp of horror to the knowledge that this thing was fact and not part and parcel of some hideous dream throwing the door wide open she rushed into the room maud 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 she cried repeating the name again and again what is it you have done but her eyes were not for the woman but the man although he lay there so still it was as though his presence filled the entire room she reached his side bent over him it was dreadful to see him lying there so motionless she called him by his name conrad conrad has she hurt you very much yet he was still her voice died in her throat she called to him again conrad conrad speak to me but he did not speak he continued in that awful quietude it seemed as if her heart was shrivelling up within her her veins running dry her whole nature being changed she did not recognize her own voice when she spoke again maud she screamed maud go and tell them to send someone here go and tell them none replied no one moved she sprang to her feet in a sudden paroxysm of rage driving her finger-nails into the palms of her hands in her insensate fury maud go and tell them to send someone here do you hear me maud she screeched rather than screamed dragging out the name as if it were a polysyllable but again there seemed none that paid her any heed she looked round at her like a thing possessed and for the first time realized that she was alone with it this discovery seemed to restore her after a sort to her senses as if unable to credit the evidence of her own eyesight she looked round and round before she was willing to admit that she was alone the thing was so maud had vanished but where and when and how madeline had not been conscious of her moving she had not seen her go she had supposed her to be still standing on the same spot of ground from which she had struck her victim down madeline had to rub her eyes and to look again before she was actually sure that the room was vacant then on a sudden she thought of the secret door there was the secret of maud's mysterious disappearance through it she had fled irrationally enough the reflection that this was so filled her with a resentment against the girl which was far greater than anything which had gone before 
to have struck her victim down god or the devil alone knew why was crime enough but to have fled like a coward that to madeline in those first wild chaotic moments seemed to stamp the deed with a brand of blackness worse even than the crime itself she put her hand up to her throbbing temple striving to collect her thoughts what was she to do she glanced down again at the silent figure its appalling stillness appealed to her with a sudden overwhelming sense of pathos the tears gushed to her parched eyes falling back upon her knees in the whirlwind of her emotion she would have stooped and kissed him only he was so still he had fallen a little on his right side so that his right arm lay stretched out hopelessly helplessly beside him there was an eerie eloquence in the way in which it was twisted with the palm turned upwards the whole position being suggestive under ordinary circumstances of muscle knotting cramp and extreme discomfort his left arm is under him serving as a lever to place the body still more on the opposite side he was lying stomach downwards in falling his left cheek had been the first to strike the floor so that his left side and his right cheek were uppermost the position giving him the appearance of a twisted neck the more madeline regarded him and the sight judging from her fixed and stony glare seemed to have for her an irresistible fascination the less she liked what she beheld for some cause the long slender blade which had so grim a history had snapped in two the handle lay upon the floor while less than half an inch of steel protruded from his side all about this remnant was a crimson flood which grew larger and larger welling out as if it were being pumped from the man's unconscious heart it was a sight of this increasing stream which moved madeline at last to action for as she glared and stared she began to realize that the man's life-blood was flowing from him while she looked on leaping up rushing to the door she began to shout and call with the full force of her lungs presently people came hastening to her from either side first to arrive was mr singleton puffing along as fast as his stout old legs would carry him he drew up at the sight of her standing shrieking in the doorway what's the matter he demanded the earl she gasped the earl pushing her unceremoniously aside he passed into the room seeing the prostrate figure he rushed towards it with a cry my lord is your lordship ill what has happened what is the matter with you my lord then perceiving the broken dagger in the blood he started back as if he had been struck a heavy blow he's been murdered murdered my god he rushed to madeline shaking as with the ague who did it tell me who did it do you hear who did it seizing her by the wrist he drew her towards him till their faces almost touched she stared at him with apparent lack of recognition he persisted in his inquiry who did it he repeated they were brushed aside by others who came hurrying in men and maids and among them mrs singleton when she beheld the recumbent peer she broke into exclamations as her husband had done echoing him almost word for word his lordship's murdered oh my god who has killed his lordship the members of the household seemed to have lost their senses the men and the women alike they wrung their hands and exclaimed stared and trembled but they did nothing the man whose fate they bemoaned might be dying while they wailed for want of the succour which no one offered the horror of the shock had unhinged their minds old singleton still held madeline by the wrist his wife went to her with his inquiry who killed him who killed him madeline was about to answer when the words froze on her lips a sudden flood of thought came scurrying through her brain if she were to tell the truth what would be the result to maud would they not seek for her high and low break down the outposts of her hiding-place drag her out pillory her 
in the face of all the world and perhaps hang her in the end despite appearances some inner voice seemed to whisper to madeline that her act was not so heinous as it seemed that something was behind it an explanation which might serve even as an adequate excuse all at once a sense of loyalty towards the girl in whose shoes she actually and literally stood blazed up within her bosom she registered an unspoken resolution that she would not by word or deed betray her until at any rate she had herself been afforded an opportunity to declare the truth so when mrs singleton again pressed her question madeline simply tightened her lips and looked at her with lack-lustre eyes her silence however had an unexpected effect the old lady came nearer she searched her countenance with eager inquisitive glances the muscles of her face seemed all to be working at once her voice was low and harsh and husky did you kill him i madeline gasped then the absurdity of this suggestion moved her to incongruous mirth is it likely i should kill him when i loved him so singleton struck in with a common-sense interpolation you love his lordship don't talk such nonsense how could you when you only saw him for the first time yesterday madeline turned to him with startled looks was it possible that she had only seen him for the first time yesterday and that all these things had been crowded within those few hours why it seemed as if these happenings had been the events of years as if she had known him all her life one thing she was sure he would be the central figure in her life henceforward to the end the end why while they dallied chopping phrases the end might already be at hand and they were doing nothing to stall it off she turned passionately on mr singleton why do you do nothing but stand and talk he may not be dead i don't believe he is dead but if he does die and you do nothing his blood will be on your hands on yours suddenly reginald fanshawe came into the room he stood just inside the door looking about him at the agitated servants as if he found their excitement more than a little amusing what is the matter he inquired what is the meaning of this eruption and the noise no one answered but singleton and some of the others moved aside so that he saw the figure on the floor stains he cried going quickly forward he stood looking down at his brother with a puzzled look upon his face as if he could not make out what was the meaning of his lying there so still what has happened stains what has come to you then he saw the broken weapon and the blood his puzzlement seemed to increase who has done this singleton chose to take the question as addressed to himself he began to tremble and to stammer you you must ask you must ask her he motioned with his hands towards madeline reginald following the indication with his eyes her does he mean you who has done it madeline glared at him like a creature distraught her clenched fists held close to her sides why do you ask questions now there will be plenty of time for that he may be dying while you chatter if he does you will have done it you reginald smiled as if the situation was beginning to have for him a psychological interest i see your logic is your own if he dies because i have nothing to do with his death i shall have killed him it's a sort of syllogism but he may be already dead what then kneeling he leant over his brother it's been a workmanlike stroke he picked up the handle which had snapped away from the blade from what i remember of this interesting toy he's been spitted with a good six inches of cold steel it suggests hearty digestion if his stomach's got the better of such a morsel don't you think so cousin she had come close up to him is he dead do you think he's dead you have killed him among you if he is the logician again let's see if the crimson stain is really on our bloodless hands he laid his hand on his brother's side it's odd but his digestive organs do seem to have proved the stronger he breathes why he even moves as he spoke the earl did make a faint attempt at motion 
which presently became more perceptible he tried to turn reginald was at once on the alert it's all right staines you continue to lie still like a good boy we'll do all the moving that's required the earl's lips twitched as if he were endeavouring to speak and don't chatter there'll be plenty of time for asking questions a little later on the speaker gave a malicious glance towards madeline then turned to the servants now some of you men go and fetch a board an ironing board or something of that sort will be best and move yourselves singleton send someone for a doctor or half a dozen and see that at least one of them is here inside of sixty seconds my dear cousin i'm afraid that the patient will have to be borne into your own bedroom you must forgive me for turning it into a hospital for the time the servants once directed what to do were quick enough in doing it a board was brought and the earl was being carefully carried on it into the adjoining room when lady hildegard appeared her eyes behind her glasses seemed more prominent than ever and her voice more strident what is this that i am told gracious is that staines what is the matter with him reginald turned toward madeline with one of his sweetest smiles you had better ask dear maud maud what is the matter with staines madeline replied through her clenched teeth looking at reginald while replying to lady hildegard he has been stabbed 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 staines the lady hildegard's voice rose in a penetrating crescendo her son put his hand upon her shoulder addressing her with a bland smoothness which seemed to invest his words with a meaning which they themselves did not convey hush my dear mother the time for emotion is not yet presently the doctors came three of them hard on each other's heels there ensued an interval of suspense they made their examination in the inner room while madeline remained alone without and waited still her brain seemed numb what had been done had been done so quickly and had come upon her defenceless unsuspicious unprepared with such overwhelming such hideous force that as yet she was unable to focus the rush of events so as to observe them in their proper sequence while the next act of the tragedy was being enacted behind that closed door she stood helpless hopeless crushed waiting she herself could scarcely say for what presently falling on her knees with bowed head and hands tightly clasped in front of her she began to offer voiceless petitions unto god the effort brought her a measure of relief it at any rate enabled her to some extent to disentangle the chaos of her thoughts she prayed for the man who had been brought suddenly so close to death for the woman whose hand had passed him in this plight and for herself it was a formless prayer scarcely logical if only the prayers of the logician prevailed there would be but the outer darkness of despair left for the prayerful as she prayed some one came out of the inner chamber it was mrs singleton as she glanced at the girl upon her knees she started back with an exclamation as of horror what are you doing praying madeline answered with the directness of a child but her reply seemed to fill the other with an added sense of horror in her voice there was a note of repugnance praying you you wicked girl the girl's lovely eyes opened wider as if involuntarily wicked for praying yes for praying that such as you should venture to pray you dreadful creature to dare to mock your maker i had never thought that such wickedness existed i wish i had died before i set eyes on you to be so like my darling and yet to be so different it is you who have brought all this upon us i what have i done you ask me with his blood wet upon your hands his blood wet upon my hands she held out her hands with a simplicity which was again reminiscent of childhood examining them askance as if in expectation of finding on them the vital proof of the other's words there is no blood upon my hands you lie as if goaded to madness by what she judged to be the girl's fictitious appearance of perfect candour with a sudden fury which was altogether foreign to her usual hearing she struck her with her open palm a savage blow upon the cheek 
madeline reeled all but fell then smoothing with the tips of her fingers the place where the blow had fallen glanced up as if surprise had deprived her of the power of speech at that moment the bedroom door was open a procession issued forth in the front came a tall portly grey-whiskered bald-headed gentleman who advancing towards her with outstretched hands raised her from her knees and addressed her with a degree of emotion which irresistibly recalled the old-fashioned stage father in the presence of his child my dear dear child how i feel for you how i feel that you should have been so visited on this day of all days wonderful are the ways of providence yet we have cause to be thankful great cause madeline perceived that this was a doctor though his manner was unlike that of any member of his profession she had come across will he live she asked the question with bated voice palpitating heart tremulous lips yearning eyes which signs of emotion he noted with a benignant smile which seemed to cover the whole of his countenance he patted her hand which she retained in his with a mixture of gallantry and jocularity which on the whole became him tolerably well he will i hope and believe for many many years you have no cause for fear my dear young lady none at all had the weapon deviated from its present course had it moved a hair's breadth to one side the result might have been fatal we should have found ourselves once more in the presence of the great mystery but as it is i think i may venture to pledge my professional reputation that no evil results will follow that is if he receives proper attention which he of course will do and is not allowed to exert himself unduly if our patient is only reasonable which i am sure his lordship will be all will be well you have much cause for thankfulness my dear young lady she has the echo came from mr reginald and conveyed a volume of meaning which the physician ignored as it seemed almost ostentatiously he continued to regard the girl with the same benevolent smile his lordship wishes to see you as is only natural she moved a little back to see me yes alone alone her face went white his expression never changed he stipulates to see you alone as again is only natural if you do not remain too long and do not let him become agitated and above all do not allow him to move there is no reason why he should not be allowed to have his way he expresses himself upon the point with such vehemence that it will probably be more prudent to concede his wish than to risk the agitation which would result from an attempt to balk it so my dear young lady with your permission we will not keep him waiting any longer i'll be bound that your impatience is as great as his own before she realized the full drift of his proposal or could offer any sort of expostulation the doctor had slipped her arm through his and was leading her towards the bedroom as he opened the door she passed inside closing it behind her he left her standing just within the threshold of the room a voice came to her from the bed the voice which she knew so well the sound of it set her heart in a tremor who is there it is i come closer she went closer her knees seeming to shake beneath her as she moved she felt each moment as if her limbs would refuse to perform their office of holding her upright a face regarded her from the pillow she knew although for some cause she could not look at it that it was white and worn and wearied as if it had been overtaken on a sudden by age and suffering and perhaps disillusionment the eyes were fixed unblinkingly upon her features while hers were cast down as if affrightedly there was silence and in the silence a flood of thought swept over her she thought of the false position in which she stood of what she really was and of what she was pretending to be of the impudent imposture she personified abashed ashamed she stood like some conscience-stricken wretch who stands self-condemned at the bar of justice 
the stillness was interrupted by his question what did you do it for she started making a frenzied effort to collect herself she was conscious that he could hardly have grasped the true inwardness of the situation then she remembered to what his inquiry actually referred i did not do it maud the tone in which the name was uttered was half supplicatory half accusatory words rushed to her lips but did not pass them she would have given much to have been able to say she was not maud but she could not why is it necessary to lie to me do you think i did not see you do it do what she passed her hand across her brow dazedly his tone changed it became bitter have you forgotten that i saw you try to drive your dagger to my heart do you suppose i am stone blind or is it on my stupidity you count why did you resort to such a drastic measure was it because i permitted myself to suggest that the dagger should be entrusted to my keeping that it was a little out of place among a lady's bric-a-brac if so don't you think that the punishment was almost greater than the crime i did not do it why do you lie to me why do you lie i'm not lying he half rose in bed she recalled the doctor's warning don't move you are not to move the doctor says you are to lie still why for your health's sake you may do yourself an injury if you are not careful the doctor only let me come in on condition that i did not let you move his features were distorted by a smile i hope for the sake of human nature that you are the most amazing example of hypocrisy the earth has seen for you to feign solicitude for my health after what has passed betrays a love of make-believe which is beyond my comprehension all your life you have played with me knowing how i have hungered for you you have made of me a jest until at last i suppose in sheer wantonness you thought you would let me see how desirable a creature you indeed could be and then when you had intoxicated me with sudden undreamed-of happiness you chose that very moment to slip off the mask and my god to try to butcher me is it because the stroke did not go right home that you're once more at the game of pretense she stood with her face half turned aside from him lacing and unlacing the fingers of her two hands with feverish energy her voice was husky she spoke beneath her breath i did not do it don't lie to me tell me why you did it let me try to understand the reason which was present in your mind so that for once in our lives we may if possible see eye to eye but don't add to your sin the sin of all the sins child tell me why you did it i did not do it are you stark mad or do you really believe that i am is not the feel of your blade still in my side how long ago is it since i saw it darting at me in your hand i did not do it with what a nausea the sight of me must fill you with what a sense of hatred that you should persist in such a lie at such a time with such an air you give me the key i'm seeking for it's plain i must be to you a thing of unutterable loathing if because of me you make of yourself so poor a figure good my life's to me a little worth it's in my brother's way and if it's so much in yours i'll put to it a point i've but to tear away these bandages and it'll be a case of suicide instead of murder so all of us will be contented sitting up in bed a position which he attained with difficulty he began to loosen the bandages which were about his waist rushing to him throwing herself on her knees at the bedside she caught his wrists with both her hands don't don't you don't know 
what you are saying it's all a mistake i love you i would die for you at this moment you would die for me yes having killed me first but i will save you from that predicament by making certain of a verdict of phalo de se he continued to fumble with nervous hands at the linen binding showing in his purpose a resolution which appalled her she broke into shrieks don't don't help help she cried End of chapter fourteen